the decade to 1989's French Kiss from his debut album in the mind of Little Lewis and uh, we have Little Lewis in the studio with us here tonight. How are you? I'm just fine, thanks. Great. So you're doing a big show on uh, Friday night over at Vinyl? Absolutely. How do you feel about that? I'm very excited. It's been a, a couple of years since I've played New York and I'm anticipating. Yeah? Yeah. You've been living here for a while, huh? Yeah, I've been uh, recording uh, the third album. It's coming up in about a month or so. I'll be finished. Uh, so, you know, I kind of needed the energy here. Right. But, yeah, I wanted to stay away from the scene a little bit. That's good. Kind of like isolate yourself so you can do your own thing. Yeah, refuel the tank. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's a lot to uh, talk with you about this evening, but let's uh, go back way to the beginning, back to the roots. How did you get involved in music in the first place? Um, My father is a jazz and blues musician from Chicago. His name is Bobby Sims, and he played with uh, B.B. King way back in the day. He had a a record deal with Chess Records, Mm -hmm. and I guess, you know, as he started raising a family, he developed a a conscious, a a guilty conscious, and wanted to drop out and take care of the family. Mm -hmm. So he... um, Good man, good man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he wanted his legacy, you know, carried forward, so he kind of spoon-fed us, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the evolution of music and how important the history was and to continue it. Um, And I guess I was the main one selected. He kind of force-fed it, you know, mm-hmm. more than spoon-fed it, but, <laughs> you know, after a while, I, I guess, you know, it hit me, 
And I think that's what it does. It just kind of hits you, and, and, and once it takes over your, your soul, you know, it's over. Mm -hmm. um, I started out playing drums, and we had a little band. Actually, we had a gospel group, which I, I won't go into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was it was a very uh, a very nice moment when I started, and I kind of knew that it was what I wanted to do in life. Uh, the only problem I had was being in the forefront. I never wanted to be, you know, out there. I wanted to do everything from behind. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my nature. So the DJing thing, that's what really, really caught my, you know, mm -hmm. my heart. And I completely understand you 100% there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you can do your thing, express your music, and mm -hmm. stay behind the glass, you know. So it's a little bit of, you know, I know exactly space. what you're saying, yeah. Right. And when did you start DJing? 1974. Mm, what kind of stuff were you playing back then? Oh, God. Um, a lot of R&B. Mm -hmm. A lot of R&B. Some of the James Brown stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there was a record that that to this day still affects me. Uh, the original version of Cool in the Gang, Summer Madness. Mm. It's one of the first songs that I played. And um, this other song by Joe Tex, Ain't Gonna Bump No More with uh, Big Fat Joe Woman. Tex. That He's was fabulous. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> that was a song back then. So, you know, things like that, you know, mm. it was, but it was more of an R&B thing. And, and I think that's the beauty of music. Um, you know, the evolution of, of dance music to me goes all the way through the Delta Blues. It's not something that started with house. Absolutely. You know? I think that's a misnomer. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, because James Brown, I consider that dance music. Absolutely. Yeah. Even the stuff on Motown, or you go back oh, to the 50s to the R&B music Absolutely. back then, you know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was in um, uh, Italy about a month and a half ago, mm -hmm. and I played uh, You Keep Me Hanging On by mm -hmm. Diana Ross and the Supremes back in 64. Uh -huh. And the crowd it didn't miss a beat. You know, right. to me, that's dance music. It is. So, you yeah. know, and I think it also goes back into, you know, good music has no definition, has no true boundary, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's something my father taught me. Great. So, so uh, I guess in the mid-80s, the whole house scene started to develop in Chicago. Yeah, I think actually it started a little before that. It, it really started in the late 70s because mm. what... Um, what I started doing, I, I noticed that um, DJing, you know, DJing became pretty popular, mm -hmm. and I wanted to separate myself from the pack. And actually, my mother gave me the idea to um, bring a new dimension to the table. So we started remixing a lot of the songs from Philly, mm -hmm. uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, mm -hmm. uh, the Stylistics. This song, one of the first songs that I did was a song by Blue Magic called Look Me Up. Blue Magic, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, so were you doing like quarter-inch tape edits? Is that what you were doing? No, actually we had a cassette deck. I, was, I came from humble beginnings. <laughs> I had a cassette deck. And what uh -huh. we'd have to do, we'd record a piece of the music, stop it exactly, mm -hmm. and then we'd go back to the record, cue it up again, stop it exactly. I did um, Let No Man Put Us Under, and it took me four days. Oh, wow. But, you know. Do you I, still have all those versions? Yeah. You I gotta do. start pulling them out and oh, playing yeah. them for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. <laughs> well, some of them are a little uh, old and frayed. A little but, raw, probably, yeah. huh? It's a little, a little dirty, but, you know. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing, you know. Mm -hmm. it was, and then, you know, as technology developed, I guess, you know, I kind of went with it. So. Mm -hmm. So how did it feel? What was the musical environment in Chicago at that time when House was just developing? Because it seemed like it was such a hotbed for DJs and producers and musical artists and singers. What was the vibe like? Oh, it, it was, I mean, there's, I guess the closest thing to compare is now is overseas. I mean, mm -hmm. there are a few spots that Angels of Love, for instance, in, in Italy and Naples, 
is a, a very free situation. People just came to party. It wasn't about, you know, how you looked or any of that. And and I think that element transferred into the music, you know, it was very raw, very pure. And it was also very naive. And I think that really assisted the music. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We didn't know, you know, we weren't trying to develop the scene. We just went with our hearts, you know. And I think that's the beauty of, of anything. You know? mm -hmm. Evolution happens, I think, through naivety and right. through mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, a Absolutely. lot of mistakes. It was very pure, though. Right. Very pure. Right. I mean, for instance, this song here, French Kiss, was a pure mistake. <laughs> How is that? How is that? Well, the song, the, um, the bass line is actually not a bass line. It's actually a chord of a bass line that I had. Hmm. And I, you know, I was kind of doing a pre-mix. I was talking to a young lady over the phone. And Watch out. I took the, uh, <laughs> I took the bass line out. And the conversation that we had was pretty, um, pretty provocative. So I was playing with the uh, tempo. Mm -hmm. And that's how French Kiss was born. It had nothing to do with plan or, you know. Now that became a number one hit on the Billboard dance charts. Yes. I believe it was also the single of the year. Right. And uh, did you expect that at all? Um, no, no, mm -hmm. no. I think that uh, it was quite a, a pleasant surprise. I mm -hmm. mean, for it to go number one in the UK too, it went number one in Europe, and that really freaked me out. I mean, because I never, I never traveled in my life, mm -hmm. you know, other than taking a train in New York. Mm -hmm. um, next thing I know, I'm on top of the pops in Europe <laughs> and freaking out because I didn't want to do the stage thing, you know. Wow. So it was a beautiful thing, you know, mm -hmm. in retrospect, but. You know, mm -hmm. it was challenging, mm -hmm. very challenging. So all of a sudden you were uh, not in the background like you had wanted to be. Right. You were pushed to the foreground and you had to uh, perform, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, boy. Very awkward moments <laughs> mm -hmm. the first few months. Well, that album had so many singles off of it. Yeah, and it was it was really weird, too, because it was a pressure situation because mm -hmm. of the, uh, I guess, the success of French Kiss. Right. I was uh, forced to do an album in 10 days. We recorded oh, that album in 10 God. days. Yeah. Wow. But, it, you know, it turned out okay. Well, why don't we play another song from that album? Okay. One of uh, my favorites, and I think it's one of the favorites of a lot of people that are trying to get rid of somebody. I think you know this uh, one. Uh-oh. We'll have Lou Lewis coming back on WNYU-FM, New York. Hello? Hello? Lewis, is that another crank call? No. I know who it is. Why not? 
Cause where I go and with whom is no longer your concern. You are taking care of business. And how do you know? I, 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 I followed you in my blue car. Oh, did you now? Who were you with last night? Who were you with last night? Was it someone I know? Look, don't ask me that, okay? Why can't we start again? Why can't, why, why can't we start again? Question. Why is it that people don't realize what they have until it's gone? You know what I mean? You try to be right by somebody, try to treat them right, and they take your kindness for granted. And then you decide to leave it alone. You know, be a man about it. You don't go oops upside the head like the average Joe probably would. You just chalk it up as experience. Why can't, why, why can't, why can't, why can't we start again? And then five or six months later, after you've moved on, and after your ex-lover has been mentally and physically burned by somebody else's guy, combined with the fact that they missed that good old-fashioned uh, uh, in the first place, promotes their decision in calling and interrupting your life again. I called you, but you weren't there. It's kind of like winning the lottery and throwing away the ticket to play again. You know, I hear a lot of ladies complain that there are no good men left. But there are a few of us out here. The trick to love is to give your all when you have somebody who's loving you properly. Cause love don't sit and wait for you. It will leave your doorstep in a split second with no guarantee of a return. Why can't we start again? You see, love is not about games. Like, let's see who's gonna call who first. Or let me see if I can make him run after me. Cause eventually you start the game and wind up being captured by the game. Where did you go? You know the way I look at it? If you don't want to wind up on the outside of your love bubble, you shouldn't f*** up to begin with. I called you. But you weren't there. Where did you go? Why not? You weren't taking care of business. I, 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 I followed you in my blue car. Life is too short to live alone. So if you don't have your love priorities straight, then don't call me, because I won't be home. Why can't we start again? I called you. I called you. I I I I I I called you. But you weren't there.
WNYUFM New York. This is Club 89 Cosmo with you with Little Lewis over here. Thanks for joining me this evening. Absolutely, my pleasure. And uh, you know that he will be playing over at Vinyl this Friday, 6 Hubert Street, the corner of Hudson. So you definitely have to check him out. We'll be giving away some tickets to that show a little later on. And uh, we just heard, of course, I called you one of the seminal house classics. And uh, with so many hits on that debut album, did you feel a lot of pressure on your follow-up, Journey with the Lonely? Um, no, because I, I don't gauge uh, success um, by record sales. Mm-hmm. I, um, I actually was a little uh, disappointed at mm-hmm. the, the rushed effort. Uh, I was grateful that the results turned out um, the way they did but you know I felt the second album needed to go in a different direction Mm -hmm. and I needed to display a a little more of uh, musicality Mm -hmm. um, and more continuity and Mm -hmm. I think I accomplished that you know so you know my mindset you know I wasn't thinking in the past Mm -hmm. you know I I believe once you do something move forward you know uh, so, you know, it was a nice thing that happened. You know, I appreciate mm-hmm. it, but I was on to the next. So what was the next for you exactly? Well, the, the next thing, I think it was more of a... <clears throat> I, I, I was deeper into myself, deeper into mm-hmm. um, self-reliance, you know. experienced life without anyone, without, you know, comments or suggestions from, from anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, so I moved to London stayed there by myself for a year and I wrote you know I became I guess a hermit mm-hmm. and it was a very challenging experience to go from dating or you know always being surrounded by someone to having absolutely no one that you could really rely on it was crazy yeah you know? especially around New Year's New Year's was nuts the holidays was oh my god but you know I made it through and after the year in London, I moved to New York, and that's when I just became inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, still lonely, you know, but I wasn't afraid to put that into writing, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I guess it was more or less expression for me and freedom, you know. I needed mm-hmm. to escape uh, the walls that I built for myself. Right. And that album helped me do that. Right. Now, how about musically? You're talking about the thematic part of you know being lonely and expressing that through words and also through music too how about stylistically with the music did you take any new challenges in that way i mean you said one thing you wanted to do is to be more consistent throughout the album right were there any other things that you wanted to portray yeah i think i i want you to go back to uh miles davis's message to all musicians that's make it plain mm-hmm. um you know, one of the problems with coming from humble beginnings, I think, is, you know, when you accomplish something, you tend to trip a little. And, you know, I bought a, a boatload of equipment. I was experimenting and, and I went nuts, you know. So I pulled everything back and I went back to the raw essence of, of what made, you know, to me what my sound mm-hmm. uh, viable. And 
I think I accomplished that with the second album also. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to keep it raw, mm-hmm. keep it real. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted the album to be very, very honest. And I also wanted to incorporate a lot more musicians because that's what I grew up listening to. You know, jazz and blues and mm-hmm. some classical. You know, so mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of display that. Mm-hmm. That's what I really like about you as an artist. I mean, it's even evident on the first album with this track, Nice and Slow, is that uh, a lot of people get locked into a certain style of music, and that's all they do. And you seem to be, well, you are one who has, you don't lock yourself into house music. Well, I think that's attributed back to my father. I remember riding in a car. My father was a custodian, mm-hmm. um, and we were riding to his work, and uh, Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John came on mm-hmm. the radio, and he said, I want you to remember something. I think I was 10 or 11. He said, music is not black or white. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with color. Good music is good music. And I think from that point on, he gave me this key, and I just unlocked it, you know, and that's how I think now. I really? Mean, you know, some of my, um, some of the most respected people, you know, at least from my standpoint, musician-wise, are, are you know, into rock alternative. I mean, I love Led Zeppelin. I absolutely Me love too. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't think there's a limit. I don't think there should be. You're absolutely right. Well, why don't we, uh, since we're on the topic of music, why don't we play one of my favorite songs that you've done that's from that album, Journey with the Lonely, Music Saved My Life. How about that? This is Cosmo with Little Lewis, WNYU-FM, New York.
up here. I just want to mention Club Lonely. There is no guest list tonight. That's John Davis's theme song. He told me to announce that over the air to all of you millions out there listening. So as you know, there's no guest list on Friday night when Lewis is playing over at Club Vinyl, 6 Hubert Street. So anyways, as we were speaking before, after Journey with the Lonely, um, what happened after that for you? Um, I think what happened more than anything is, is I felt that my soul needed to be replenished, you know. Um, I rediscovered, I guess, through being alone that family was very important, friends are very important, mm -hmm. love is extremely important, the most important thing. It's the reason we're here. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was uh, starved for affection through family, so I went home. I um, went to my mom and my dad. My father's getting older anyway, so 
I determined that, you know, moments are precious and we needed to take care of business. Um, mm -hmm. So we started hanging out, you know, spent time with my daughter. I have a, mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful angel. Uh, and I didn't want to, you know, regret, you know, life later on, on a macro level, um, you know, not having spent time with my daughter. So, you know, hung out with her. We did some things, uh, mm -hmm. bonded a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a couple of years have passed and I'm full now. You right. know, I'm ready to do it again. So. Well, you seem like a very balanced kind of person. Thank you. I guess it's a result of just letting yourself live your life truly. Absolutely, and following mom and dad. You know, my, my mother is, you know, she is my inspiration. You know, I was born on Mother's Day. Oh, so really? We have, this, we have this bond that's just absolutely spiritual, you know. What's, what's your uh, zodiac sign? What's your horoscope sign? Taurus. Taurus. Yeah. I'm a Virgo, so. All right, Virgo. We're right on the earth here together. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> All right, well, then after that, what was the next release after you took that kind of musical hiatus? Um, well, what happened, I, I think I um, started considering um, other acts, you know, some record labels came to me mm -hmm. um, to do remixes and, you know, a couple of groups that I, I really fell in love with and a couple of people that I've always admired. Babyface was one I did, mm -hmm. uh, the R&B mix of For the Cool and You. Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, some production work for Jason's Lyric. Uh, Donna Summers. Um, I also did Groove Theory and Jay Z. Uh, Ain't no nigger. I did the. Uh, wow. Yeah. So you know, but I'm very particular about um, you know people that I work with because I think you you carry your name Definitely. with you. Whatever you do, you carry your name, and you have to protect that name. You know, because mm -hmm. in the end, no one loves you when you're whack, and I believe that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so. You know, the artist that I chose to work with, I, I felt, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of taking it, you know, t you know, a little bit at a time. I didn't want to do too much. Right. And also, you know, the emphasis has been on my third album. Mm -hmm. So from time to time, I do a track. I have a couple of hundred songs, actually. Really? Yeah, that I've done in the last three years. Wow. So how are you going to choose? <laughs> you know, that, that's the most difficult thing that, you know. Editing. It, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, we have a lot to choose from, you know, mm -hmm. went in a lot of different directions. And also, again, you know, I went back into the, you know, the shedding aspect of my life. I think every once in a while you need to go back and, and to the drawing board and, and practice. You know, I did scales, I worked on the keyboard technique, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I've become a lot more involved in songwriting and, mm -hmm. you know, I pay a lot more attention to where I want to go with music. So I think I'm more focused now. Do you, how did your experience with the R&B artists help you? Um, I think experience with any artist, uh, you know, I, I didn't take any cues from those artists mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, with Babyface, for example, uh, I, I learned his his work ethic is very similar to mine, and and also even though he's a superstar, you know he took very good direction from me because I consider myself more of a vocal producer than a music producer. Mm -hmm. um, but we had no problems in the studio, and I, I learned that you know he is successful because he's focused, and mm -hmm. I think that's a, a commonality. You know, regardless of what you do in life, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have to maintain a certain focus and apply that. You know, you right. can be as talented, 
you know, as anyone. You know, a lot of people that are very creative that unfocused mm-hmm. and they fall through the weight, you know. You the can't website. execute their creativity. You really have and to channel execute it. it. Yeah. You have to understand, you know, the arena that you're in. You know, mm-hmm. that's another thing. You know, Babyface is very, very aware. You know, I think Michelle and Degiacello was a, you know, a different type of artist, but she's also focused. She's a great musician, absolutely yeah. wonderful musician, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, I enjoyed working with her. And she's also introverted, so it, it was a little awkward at first because we were kind of like, you know, looking at each <laughs> other, like, who's going to say, you know, something Who's going to talk first, yeah. Right. But, you know, her girlfriend actually uh-huh. broke the ice between us and, you know, it, it turned out very nice. Mm-hmm. So. Do you think that um, working with these artists who are very songwriter oriented, I mean, not a lot of house producers are very songwriting oriented. They just kind of get into the studio and they start fooling around. They, they do stuff. It just kind of works itself out. And a lot of singers will come in, they write their lyrics right before they go in the studio. Right. And the people like Babyface... I mean, he's obviously writing, and Michelle Nadigacello is, is writing and rewriting her songs. Has that helped you with your songwriting at all? Um, I think it. I think it just channeled the energy where it belonged, uh, you know, from day one because mm-hmm. it actually derived from my father. You know, mm-hmm. my father was a very, very talented songwriter and a very good producer, and he's very unselfish too. You know, one instance I remember, I was four years old and I was in his garage. And it was a lead guitar player that needed to play backup on a song. And he actually played the song better than my father. My father stepped back and let him take lead. And I learned a lot from that. You know, you have to do what's best for the project. You know, so, you know, I think, you know, you certainly you learn a lot from people, but most of it's inside. You Mm -hmm. know, most of what you have and what you display, you already know. You just Mm -hmm. have to relearn constantly relearn I believe also trust in yourself too absolutely I think. yeah absolutely well let's talk about the next song here uh, Black Magic Freedom okay can you tell me about the uh, making of that one well it's really weird Black Magic was actually an R&B group we uh that I put together uh, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um and uh the name Black Magic was pseudonymous only because uh you know we had the situation we were trying to write an R&B song and the girls were a little shy about writing. Uh, so what I did, I played this game with them, quid pro quo, mm-hmm. uh, which is exchange information, serious information for information. And I, I told them something about my life that shocked them. And I asked for something in return. And one of the singers started talking about her life. And before two minutes, three minutes, she started crying. Wow. Uh, and then I discovered that another one of the singers had a major problem with um, a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So they went outside and, you know, they're doing that thing. And it was very emotional. And I went out there and I tried to console them. And it hit me. I ran back in the studio <laughs> and wrote the song in five minutes. It was wow. about freedom. The, the, pro- the, the thing that linked all of us mm-hmm. was there was something that we needed to escape from. So within five minutes, I had the song. And they came in. And I have the... Uh, the the demo tape and I would never play it but it was crazy Ooh. I mean it was it was not about key or pitch or anything we were just singing and screaming and sounds yeah. very cathartic yeah it was it was absolutely and yeah. it was a very very passionate song mm-hmm. you know I was very happy about the song and I knew that because they were singers that they needed musicians so you know I I played drums uh, there's live drum elements in there and I also hired Gene Perez who to me is one of the best bass players around 
um, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Great, let's listen to it. This is Little Lewis Presents Black Magic with Freedom on WNYU-FM New York. Going to the club. He can't tell me nothing. Cause I'm out. I'm out.
This is a, such a beautiful song. You know, you can really tell that you're really going into that R&B kind of feel with this. Even though it's like that house tempo, right. it definitely has that hook. Thank you. You know, it definitely has that hook. So as you're saying, uh, what's the direction you're going with on your new album? Um, the new album is definitely a, a lot more uh, musical, mm. I would say. And everything is song-oriented now. I mean, it's... You know, songs are very, very important because I think those are the etchings of life, you know, and, and now for me, you know, more than ever, you know, I want to tell, you know, my people what I'm all about, you know. Mm -hmm. So this album is a very personal album um, and I'm sharing things that I've never shared, never revealed, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, a lot of music, mm -hmm. a lot of music, you know, musicians are wonderful musicians and, you know, we're... We're gonna do it. Anyone we would know that you want to reveal? No, I want to keep everything. Hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, uh, is it gonna be all different kinds of songs, different kinds of music? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be you know some some R and B, lots of R and B. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you know, I, I think that the the lines are, you know are very great. You know, I think we should uh, stop separating.